Well, good morning, everyone. I um, hope you are well and enjoying the good weather the Lord has been blessing us with. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Lifeboat service this morning. And I trust that you will be blessed by the message today. We're going to turn in God's word this morning to the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible, book of Revelation and the chapter 11. Revelation chapter 11, and we'll begin our reading from the verse 1. Revelation 11 and verse 1. And it says, And there was given me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar, and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple leave out, and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread under foot forty and two months, and I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive sticks and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy, and have power over waters to turn them to blood, and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them, and shall overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom, and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half, and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them, and make merry, and shall send gifts one to another, because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. And after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them, and they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. And the same hour was there a great earthquake, and the tenth part of the city fell. And in the earthquake were slain of men seven thousand. And the remnant were affrighted and gave God, gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe is past, and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. We'll end our reading there, and we'll just bow in a wee word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your blessing upon us. We thank you, Father, for the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Savior of the world. We thank you for the Holy Spirit of God that dwells within every believer this morning. We thank you for all your blessing. We thank you, Lord, for the beautiful weather that you've given us. We thank you, Lord, uh, for protecting us, Lord, in the midst of the, the, the worldwide pandemic at the moment. And we pray, Lord, that you will be pleased to bring that pandemic to uh, a conclusion very soon. Father, we pray for your presence. Lord, as we um, look at your word this morning, we pray, Lord, that you will bless every listener. We pray, Lord, that you will encourage and motivate the Christian this morning, uh, but really speak, 
speak very much to the unsaved today and make them realize that time is short and eternity is very long and it is imperative that we get right with God before it is too late. Come now, Lord, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen and Amen. You know, God will always have his soldiers on the ground. No matter how bad the situation gets, God will have his man or indeed his woman for that particular hour. You can remember Esther. She was in the right place for such a time as this. And even during this period of the great tribulation on earth, when sin is rampant and great wickedness is spreading like a cancer, God will have his people working away behind enemy lines. The first three chapters, of course, of Revelation are historical, but the rest of the book, from chapter 4 right through to chapter 22, is future. And in these chapters, God allows us to see what is going to happen during the last days of this present world, and even what's going to happen beyond that. You see, friend, we don't need the devil's servants to supposedly tell us what is going to happen in the future. We certainly don't need the palm readers. We don't need the tarot card readers. We don't need the crystal ball readers. And we don't even need the tea leaf readers. Friend, all we need is to pick up this old book, dust it down and become Bible readers and listen to what God is telling us about the future. In chapter 7, at the beginning of the seven-year tribulation period on earth, God converts and he commissions and he seals 144,000 Jewish evangelists, 12,000 from each tribe. And they're sent out to preach the gospel and to be light amongst the Gentiles. Meanwhile, the world, as we know, is going to be in absolute chaos. It's going to be like one long horror movie with wars and famines, disease and massive earthquakes, meteor collisions, thunder and lightning, hail and fire. We're told that all the grass will be burnt up. We're told that a third of the trees will be burnt up. A third of all the fish will die. A third of all the ships will sink. And, you know, we're told that all, all the water will be polluted. And a third of all the light will be taken away. Terrifying, demonic locusts will be unleashed from the bottomless pit with stings like scorpions to torture people for a solid five months. And as a result of this, a third of the world's population will die. So far this year, we've had a quarter of a million people die of malaria, um, a half a million people die of AIDS, nearly three quarters of a million people have died of alcohol, and 1.3 million people have died uh, as a result of smoking cancer from a stick. But friend, when we listen to what God is telling us about what is just around the corner, we haven't seen anything yet. The dead during the tribulation will not be counted in millions, but will be counted in billions. So in the middle of all this rebellion and hatred against God and unprecedented mayhem and judgment upon the earth, out of nowhere, it seems, steps up two brave evangelists here to preach the gospel. Many people, you know, are happy to be involved in the work of God during the good times. Uh, there never seems to be any shortage of people willing to serve Christ during the times of prosperity, but they often flee from Christ during times of persecution. However, it is during the hard times that the true church puts their heads above the parapet, and that is what happens here with these two men. 
these two witnesses. And, you know, one witness during times of persecution is worth a hundred witnesses during times of prosperity. So let us look this morning at God's fearless and faithful open-air preachers on the streets here of Jerusalem during the last days of this present earth. First of all, we notice this morning the ministry of these two witnesses. And yes, these two men are called witnesses. They are a witness to the truth. They will give testimony of the reality of the true God of the Bible and of his gospel, which is contained in his Bible. They are not a false witness like the Mormon Joseph Smith or like the Jehovah's Witness Charles Taz Russell or even like Pope Francis. Oh no, these men are of God are true witnesses here. Wonder did you know that Pope Francis recently called on Christians not to try and convert unbelievers? You know, that's how you recognize a false prophet. It's when they say the complete opposite to what God says. The Pope told a group of high school students to respect people of other faiths and not to attempt to convert them to Christianity. The Pope insisted that we are not living in the days of the Crusades. So, Pope Francis says, don't share your faith. However, Jesus says, go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Big difference, don't you think? In fact, that's what these two witnesses are doing here. They are in the world preaching the gospel. Thankfully, they listened to God and they ignored the Pope. But why would the Pope come out with something like that? Why would he say something like that? Well, the answer is because he also said that we are all children of God. So according to the Pope, the Buddhist, the Muslim, the Hindu, the Catholic, the Protestant, they all worship the same God, apparently. But, you know, didn't Jesus say that if you don't believe in me, you're already condemned? Didn't Jesus also tell the Pharisees that you are of your father, the devil? So they weren't obviously God's children. And didn't he also say that many are on the broad way that leads to destruction and only a few in the narrow way which leads to life? And didn't he also say that except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God? So quite clearly, we are not all born again and we are not all God's children. And Pope Francis is wrong, as he often is. So how can we be born again? Well, you see, the first time you're born into this world, you're born a sinner into your parents' family. But when you're born again, however, you're born into God's family and your sin is forgiven. And only then can you be called a child of God. The new birth takes place when we repent of our sin and we trust in Christ alone for our salvation. You know, folks, I doubt if the Pope ever reads his Bible, if he has a Bible. He certainly doesn't believe in the Bible. In fact, that man needs to be born again. At the end of the day, popery is just false Christianity. It is forgery. It is not real. President Trump often calls out CNN, the New York Times, ABC News and the others as being fake news. Well, dear friends, and especially my dear Roman Catholic friends this morning, I want to tell you with love in my heart, popery is fake news. Don't listen to them. Folks, you need to listen to God's word and you need to read your Bible. 
Sure, if you're a Roman Catholic or even a lost Protestant or a Muslim or whatever this morning, I want to tell you that God loves you. I want to tell you that I love you, and that's why I'm simply telling you the truth. I don't want you to end up in hell. I want to see you in heaven. So, friend, please take your focus off your religion this morning and fix your eyes upon Jesus. From the Greek word for witness, we also get the word martyr. Because down through the years, and even in certain parts of the world today, if you're prepared to witness for Jesus Christ, well, that means that you're giving up your life for Jesus Christ. There may be folk listening in, tuning in this morning from other parts of the world, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. And these two men, they, wit they witness to God's truth, but they also give their lives for God's we are living, no doubt, in evil days and the darkness will continue to get even darker as we approach these days here of tribulation. But no matter how dark the hour is, God will always have his witnesses and God will always, always be in control. Before the Genesis flood, Noah stepped up to be God's witness. In the midst of 450 prophets of Baal and a government an evil government that was led by Ahab and Jezebel. It was Elijah who stepped up to be God's witness. So I wonder, friend, when the lockdown is over, will you be able to step up to be God's witness among this wicked and evil generation? These two men here in Jerusalem are a team. And, you know, God often sends his soldiers out in pairs. Moses and Aaron, Joshua and Caleb, Paul and Silas. Even in today's modern army, soldiers still operate their best working in pairs. When one soldier moves towards the enemy, the, his, his body, he's laying down fire on the enemy in order to protect his, his colleague. Even Solomon said two are better than one in the book of Ecclesiastes. So that when one falls, there's always another there to lift him up. Jesus sent his disciples out in pairs. And here God sends out his witnesses as a pair. You see, he wants his word to be authenticated. The Old Testament law stated that matters could only be established by two or three witnesses. They will profess Christ and they will preach the word of God. I'm sure they will state how Jesus Christ has fulfilled hundreds of Old Testament prophecies. They will tell how Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world and they will tie of his dying for the sins of the world. They will also tell of his resurrection and of his ascension into heaven and indeed of his imminent return back again to the world. Verse 3 says they will be wearing sackcloth. Of course, that is a symbol of mourning and confession and repentance. These two men are so distressed with the state of the world. They will warn of the judgment to come and of the need of everyone on the planet to repent of their sins. Like Jonah to the Ninevites, they will warn of the wrath of God, the great separation between the sheep and the goats, the saved and the lost, the great white throne, and the eternal lake of fire. They will prove that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, that his death was enough for us to be forgiven and saved, and that the sacraments of men and the blood and of bulls and goats will never, ever take away sin. They will repeat the words of Christ who said, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. 
this will be a critical moment because time will be fast running out. In fact, in verse 13, we see that an earthquake rocks a city and 7,000 souls perish. Friend, the reality is we are all on borrowed time today. The day of our deaths is fast approaching, maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow. It might be a heart attack, it might be an accident, and you may not get another warning. In fact, this message this morning might be your final chance. Therefore, God is telling you this morning, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. For how shall you escape if you neglect so great salvation? You know, very often we stand in Dungannon on a Saturday afternoon around for about an hour to preach to preach the word. But these men here, they're preaching the word for three and a half years. It's the longest ever open air service. And just like people today, the people during the tribulation will have no excuse and they will have plenty of opportunities to hear the word. Friend, you're living in an age of technology where the gospel is readily available 24-7. You've received the gospel tracts in the street, no doubt. You've seen the invitations to the meetings in the papers, and you've read the verses posted by other friends on Facebook. And if you live in Ireland, no doubt you've come across the little white crosses on the telegraph poles that states Jesus saves. Some of you have heard the gospel in meetings for years and years, and so we have no excuse. And knowing the truth means you've got to act upon the truth and do something about it. Verse 7 describes these men as olive trees and candlesticks. God's hand, you see, was upon their ministry. The olive tree is the source of olive oil and is often the type of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. These men are anointed by the Spirit of God for this particular ministry. The olive tree, it speaks of their unction or anointing, and the candlestick, it speak, candlestick speaks of their function. They are here to bring the light of God's gospel to a darkened word. And that's what the word of God will do for your darkened heart, friend. It was Jesus who said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Friend, the reality this morning is this. God is ready to give if you are ready to receive. But with any faithful ministry, of course, when you start to preach the truth, then you'll be started to be hated for the truth. And these men are hated here in Jerusalem. They are attacked, but those who attack them are destroyed by fire. Many believe these two witnesses to be Elijah and Moses, both men had ministries in the Old Testament uh, that were not allowed to finish. Elijah was taken up to, to heaven in a whirlwind and Moses was not permitted to cross the Jordan into the promised land. Both, of course, also appeared with Christ at the Mount of Transfiguration. But not only that, but the powers of the two men in verses 5 and 6 was this, they, they had power to bring upon their enemies fire to stop the rain and turn the water into blood and to smite the earth with plagues. And also, and these were powers that, that both Elijah and Moses had. Elijah brought down fire from heaven and stopped the rain for three and a half years. Moses turned the water into blood and brought many other plagues down on the land of Egypt. You know, many TV preachers, they claim to have such powers today. Uh, one man on, on television, Kenneth Copeland, <laughs> 
he claimed to have the power to stop the coronavirus. Well, that didn't work out too well, did it? Others have claimed to have powers to prophesy, powers to heal and to raise the dead. But no, folks, they, those preachers are liars. And those preachers are only interested in people's hard-earned money. Other people's money to buy their mansions, to build their swimming pools, and to fly around in their private jets. They're false prophets. But friends, these prophets here in chapter 11 are from God. They're clothed in sackcloth, so they're certainly not interested in people's money. True preachers of God will only be interested in your soul. They will want to see you saved. They want to see you born again. And they will want you in the kingdom of God. At the end of the day, why should any Christian expect or even want to have more money than Christ, who had nowhere to lay his head? And then we see the murder of the witnesses. You know, we're told here in verse 7 that the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. That only happens, folks, when God permits it. 38 times in Revelation, the Antichrist is referred to as the beast. He is an ambassador of hell and he has power from the devil. The witnesses are not killed until they have finished their testimony. They do not die until they preach their last message and proclaim their final amen. All of God's servants are untouchable invincible and invulnerable until their work on earth has been completed. Robert Murray McShane was one of Scotland's greatest preachers, but his work for God was completed when he was only 29 and God was pleased to take his servant home. Jim Elliot was a missionary murdered in Ecuador at the age of 28. His work was done and God was pleased to take his servant home. But friend, if you're not saved this morning, then the reality is you have no work to do for God. You don't have the protection of God upon your life and therefore you could go at any moment. I wonder, are you ready to go? I wonder, are you prepared to meet God? You will not die until God says it's time for you to die, but you will not live a second longer beyond the time he says it's time for you to go. God has a special word of encouragement for his children this morning. Isaiah 54 and 17 says this, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise up against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. In verse 8, the bodies of the witnesses will be left on the streets. They will not be permitted a decent burial. And in verse 9, the world looks on. Now, for centuries, people reading this uh, chapter could not have understood how the people from every kindred and tongue and nation shall be able to see their dead body. But of course, now we understand because now the world will look on through CNN, Al Jazeera, Facebook, BBC and even, even uh, YouTube. You recall way back in March 2019 when that terrorist in New Zealand burst into the mosque in Christchurch on his murder spree, people all around the world could see, see it as it happened. That terrorist had a, a camera uh, clipped to his chest. 
The technology focuses here now, and it just goes to show how very close we are to the end. What follows in verse 10 is some sort of satanic celebration. We see that gifts are being exchanged. There may be may well be street parties uh, organised, maybe popcorn concerts hastily organised. Who knows? For three and a half years, you see, these men had teased, terrified and tormented the ungodly. The witnesses had preached the gospel. They had destroyed their enemies. They had caused the plagues. But now they're dead. And the world celebrates because... As we see throughout the Bible, throughout the scriptures, the only prophet, the only preacher that the ungodly truly love is a dead one. Why would anyone celebrate the death of a couple of street preachers? Well, if you've ever been on an open air and you're involved in street outreach, then you might understand. You see, street preaching particularly infuriates the devil. Because the street evangelist reaches people that normally never hear or don't even want to hear the gospel. Pope Francis, he doesn't want us to reach the lost with the gospel. And you know, that's exactly the same agenda that the devil has. He wants to keep lost people lost. The devil's people hate the preacher's message because it hits them where it hurts them most. It tells them that there is a consequence for their sin and that payday is coming. Many of the inhabitants in the tribulation world have given their allegiance here, here to the Antichrist by taking the mark of the beast. Verse 10 says the preaching of the witnesses tormented them that dwelt on the earth. No doubt they had sleepless nights, tossing and turning, walking the streets, because all they could think about was judgment and condemnation. But now, now the witnesses are dead and the world breathes a sigh of relief. And they're throwing a party. By the way, this is the only time during the seven year tribulation that we hear of unbelievers being happy and rejoicing. The only time. People are ecstatic because God's messengers are dead and God's message, it appears, has now been silenced. What a tragedy for these people. How foolish they are. We live in an age today where people hate full-on Bible preaching. Oh, they love the messages that tickles the ears. They love the sermons that declares that everyone's going to be okay. Just do the best you can do. Don't do anyone, anyone any harm. Just keep on paying into your church and everything will work out just fine. They love the messages that tells them that, that, that there is no punishment for sin. In other words, they love the gospel which says Jesus loves you. But they hate the preacher who exalts Christ and demands holiness and repentance. They hate the preacher who says there is no other way but Christ. And they hate the preacher who will not compromise with sin. They hate the preacher who will preach the law and righteousness and judgment and hell. The world detests the preacher who closes the door of salvation to the unrepentant, homosexual, abortionist, pedophile, adulterer, fornicator, liar, thief and blasphemer. If you use the Lord's name as a curse word, friend, you're a blasphemer. And if you allow yourself to be entertained by Hollywood films that blasphemes the name of Christ, 
that's just as bad. Right now, people hate to hear the word repent. But millions in hell tonight wish they could be back on earth so that they could hear it just one more time. The word hits the preaching that glorifies Jesus Christ and it declares that he is the only way to the Father and they will rejoice when these preachers are dead. The world loves to hear the sermons about a God who loves and allows everyone into heaven and sends no one into hell. But friend, that is not the God of this Bible. God is a just judge who insists on punishing lawbreakers, and rightly so. We would expect that. If you refuse to trust in the one who paid your fine, who bore your sins and was punished in your place, then you will take that place yourself and you'll be punished for your own sin forever. People think that eternal punishment in the lake of fire is far too severe for, a, for just a few years of sin on earth. But what we must realise and understand is this. People in hell keep on sinning forever, so the punishment must also be forever. Remember the rich man in Luke 16? He never repented. He remained unrepentant. So the punishment never catches up with the sin. If you keep on sinning, then you keep on being punished. The punishment must fit the crime. Thirdly and finally, we see the miracle of these of these witnesses. You know, this scene reminds us that even the very best Christian will die. But it also reminds us that they will go to heaven when they do die. The bodies of the men are allowed to lie in the street for three and a half days. There is probably some sort of crowd, crowd controlled barriers put around them to allow tourists maybe to take selfies, to allow the media to conduct interviews and broadcast live pictures around the world. But as their bodies turn blue and begin to bloat in the hot Middle Eastern temperatures, something strange here begins to happen. You see, the men begin to stir. Verse 11 says the spirit of life from God enters into them once more and they stand to their feet and great fear falls on everyone who are still tuned in on news channels around the world. For months now, you will know that our news channels have been reporting on nothing else but COVID-19. So we can expect that the news people still here in Jerusalem covering this story three and a half days after the witnesses are killed will be still reporting on the celebration. However, celebrations soon turn into terror as these resurrections are seen by millions of people. And you know, folks, this is clear proof this morning that God, not man, not Satan, not the Antichrist, not even the government, but God is the one who really is in control. There is great worldwide fear. You see, these men were, were revived. And the reviving of God's work will always strike terror into the souls of men. You might think that people are in fear of a virus at the moment. But that will be nothing compared to this. Nothing. 
Brothers and sisters, make sure that lockdown time for you is not wasted time. You know, a farmer was once asked, what, what do you do uh, during times of storm? And the farmer replied, well, I go into my shed and I sharpen my tools. You know, Christians, that's what we need to be doing at the moment. During the storm, we need to be sharpening our tools. We need to be getting into the word. We need to be preparing ourselves for the battle. And when restrictions are lifted, we need to go out and evangelize, take to the streets with the gospel, preach judgment, preach hell, preach the truth in love. And then, then you will see what fear really does look like. Where there is guilt, you see, there is always fear. And our friends and our family and our neighbours are guilty because the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And you may think this morning, oh, I could never take to the streets with the gospel. Well, you know, in the eyes of the world, Herod was a God. And John the Baptist, he was just a nobody. He was just a, a, an odd recluse living in the wilderness. But we are told that Herod feared John. You see, John simply shared the truth. He told it as it was. And dear Christian, you, are you listening this morning? You can be a John the Baptist for Jesus Christ. You can. God can use you to strike fear into the hearts of the ungodly and bring them trembling to the cross. People now realise that these men are the real deal. They are men of God and their message is from God. And now the penny finally drops. All along the preachers were right. And all along the people were wrong. And your repentance is getting to that moment in your life when you realise that God has always been right. And you have always been wrong. I wonder, have you got to that place in your life yet? That you realise God is right. And no matter how religious you are, you are wrong. Then while the world watches on here in amazement and in obedience to the great voice from heaven which says, Come up hither, they ascend up into heaven in a cloud, just as their Saviour had done from the Mount of Olives many, many years before, and just before he returns to that exact same spot. The resurrection and the rapture of the church will happen, we are told, in the twinkling of an eye, which no man will see. But the resurrection and the rapture of the witnesses will be seen all around the world. Verse 13 says that in that same hour, there will be a great earthquake that will demolish 10% of the buildings in Jerusalem. You remember when the Twin Towers was, was uh, knocked down, three, almost 3,000 people died. But when the buildings here in Jerusalem are knocked down, we're told 7,000 people will perish. You know, friends, in our lifetime, we've witnessed many disasters, tsunamis, earthquakes, volcanic eruptions, even terrorist attacks. But you know, when we think of all that, and we compare to what's going to happen during these last days on earth, we haven't seen anything. God is going to judge the city that denied him and crucified his son. You know, God does have patience with sinners. But even the patience of God eventually runs out. 
Peter told us that the Lord is long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And verse 13 says that the remnant were terrified to such an extent that they gave God the glory. The fear of God fell on many. The scales fell from their eyes. They saw their sins. They repented. They embraced the truth and they trusted in Jesus Christ for their salvation. Friends, I want us all to be resolved and determined to get involved in the work. And let no one discourage you. Because there's plenty out there today who will discourage you. We know that. If your church doesn't have a prayer meeting, either start one or move to where there is one. If it hasn't got a regular outreach program with missions and door-to-door visiting and open airs, either begin this vital work or move to where there is that vital work going on. You see, time is short. Just look around you this morning. Look at how, how every church in the land has been forced to close so easily due to the Chinese virus. So what will it be like when the Antichrist does take charge? We need to serve whilst we still have the freedom and the fitness to do it. With the coronavirus, there has been much conspiracy theories floating around, and I'm sure you've heard them. Much talk of end time events. Much speculation of, on the identity of the man of sin and about his mark. We know that the number of the beast is 666. And you know some actually believe that this is his date of birth. And if that is the case, then he was born on the 6th of the 6th of the 6th, which means he was born on the 6th of June 2006. And that means that somewhere today, there's a teenage boy patiently waiting to step up onto the world stage. Which means in just a few years time, all of what I've just been talking about is going to happen within our lifetime. Now that's of course just one of many thoughts and I don't know whether that is true or not. But friend, the reality is these are the things that we need to be looking out for this morning. It was Jesus Christ himself who said this, watch therefore. Watch therefore. For ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. So believer, no more sleepwalking. No more going in and out of church like zombies. No more skipping the prayer meeting. No more laying up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves will break through and steal. But brothers and sisters, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves will not break through and stay. Folks, this is serious stuff. And you know as well as I do, it's only what's done for Christ will last. But at the same time, Christian, this morning, I don't want you to panic. There is no need to worry. There is no need to be afraid. Be encouraged today, brothers and sisters. When we read the last chapters of the book of Revelation, we see that everything for the Christian turns out all right in the end. And, you know, folks, if it's not all right for you this morning, it just means we're not at the end yet. 
whatever is on your mind this morning, do not be concerned. Remember, your Heavenly Father is in complete, complete control. He holds you fast. And no man is able to pluck you from your Father's hand. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And we thank you for the Christian. There is absolutely no need to fear the future because we're all safe in the hand of God today. But there may be those this morning listening and they're not safe because they're not saved. They haven't repented of their sins. They haven't given their lives to Christ. Lord, in the privacy of their own home this morning, May they bow the knee to King Jesus and give their lives to Jesus Christ. We pray you'll continue to motivate and encourage your people today and help us, Lord, to step up to the mark and be good soldiers of Jesus Christ in the days that lie ahead. Bless everyone that's listening in this morning, Lord. Bless our homes, bless our families, bless our loved ones. Continue to be with uh, the, the NHS, the doctors, the nurses, the, 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 the folk in the, in, the, in the nursing homes, the staff and the residents. Protect us, Lord, we pray. Bring us through this time of uh, worry and distress and continue to save and add to the kingdom such as should be saved. We ask all these things in our Saviour's, Saviour's lovely and precious name. Amen. Amen. Folks, keep on believing. Jesus is near. Keep on believing. There's nothing to fear. Keep on believing. This is the way. Faith in the night. As well. As the day. God bless you all. Take care.